On a personal note, before we begin, I uh, ask you to keep uh, something in mind. It's, it's been already a very interesting morning, and as a priest, uh, part of our life is, it, it, we're in a sense, we're surrounded by death, that we go to the hospital a lot, we do a lot of funerals and such, and this morning I was really uh, struck, one of our families in a lot of pain, and you know, just a reminder that we need to cling to the people we love, huh? It's, it's a powerful thing to remember that we don't really have control over who dies or when. The only thing we know is we'll all go see the Lord one day. But until then, I hope uh, my words just, just right here are a little fuel for us to make sure the people we love know that we love them today, huh? We, we need to... Uh, cling fiercely to the life Jesus has given us and, and to the love that can compel. Uh, so I, I offer us that at the beginning, and it has really nothing to do with the homily. It was just something real on my heart today, huh? Um, I wanted to preach on the gospel because it's got one of my favorite lines. Uh, one of my classmates, I've told you this, I think, uh, was made a bishop. And when you're made a bishop, you're supposed to um, take some time and pray and choose like a, a motto or a slogan, right? Um, and uh, so a few of us, just of course out of a deep love for him, offered some helpful suggestions. And uh, uh, one of my buddies sent the passage in from John where Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Do you remember this one? And he says, roll away the stone. And someone says, surely, Lord, there will be a stench. And I offered that one. Um, <laughs> but one of my buddies sent one from today's gospel, one of the best lines. He says, choose this one. And it says, you have been steeped in sin since birth, and you're going to teach us? Uh, <laughs> he did not pick either of those. Uh, but we have been preaching on uh, the activated disciple, right? All through Lent, uh, 600 of you took one of these books home. And if you heard me say that and went, oh no, right? You took one home and then you set it down and then it hasn't moved, yeah? You still got time, start today, right? I'm gonna tell you this, every week, Lent ends on Holy Thursday at 7 p.m. We have all of that time to start anew if we need to. To start anew and to let this be the best Lent ever. And uh, so I can't encourage us strongly enough if, if either the book or if we, didn't, if we decided, well, I'm not going to do the book, but Lent has slipped away. Uh, no, it hasn't. We still got a couple weeks. Yeah, and remember this every time. The Lord made the earth in six days. What do you think he can do with us in a couple weeks? Yeah? Okay, with that, uh, the word uh, we're looking at this week is selflessness. Selflessness. And I really don't like this one at all. Uh, as soon as I started praying on it, I could just see 832 ways that I am not selfless enough. Um, and 
what uh, a scripture he put in there that I love. And I'm going to read this a couple times to us, okay? This is from St. Paul. Well, technically it's from the Lord, right? Through St. Paul. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is like Christ Jesus. Right? So Paul is, is, is encouraging us and kind of commanding us that we should not just look to our own interests, but look to other people's interests. And not only that, but what he recognizes is that by doing that, we're taking on the mind of God. So this really, I'm thinking, is the key to selflessness. Because each of us are naturally selfish and self-centered. That's our normal state. And we kind of can't help it. To some extent, we can't help the fact that everything about us is geared toward us. So it requires a supernatural act. It requires an intervention of our God for you and I to be selfless. The prayer I've started to embrace, and I'm going to say this till you're irritated. Uh, Jesus, change my mind. Jesus, change my mind. Because my mind, like yours, is programmed toward me. And granted, I'm very pretty. Uh, but we want, I thought that was funny, and I think it's actually good news that you didn't laugh. You know what I mean? I mean uh, we, we want to make sure that Jesus is healing and challenging that part of us that just goes about our day thinking only of ourselves or even the people we love very, very much. God wants to open our mind and change it so that we're other-centered. This can play out in a few ways. Uh, I was at a priest conference at the end of January. It was in Detroit, and uh, they're smart, right? They wrote a bunch of priests, and they said, come to this conference. And I immediately said, well, I'll never be able to, right? I, I don't have time to rush off for, for two days. Well, they put it on Sunday night and Monday. Monday is every priest in the world's day off. Yeah, that's our weekend. Never die on Monday, please. It's rude. Uh, so uh, I went. And what they, they challenged us on a lot. It was very beautiful. But one thing they said at the beginning, and I admit it kind of freaked me out. They read the results of a CARA poll. And this is the, what do you call it, research wing for the Catholic Church in the U.S. These guys send out surveys to Catholics all the time. And what they found, they sent this to 10,000, well, they sent it to more, 10,000 wrote back, uh, 10,000 lay people, non-priests, who go to church, okay? And one of the questions was, the church exists to blank, okay? Why does the church exist? And they were given A, B, C, and D. And I don't remember what A, B, and C were. D was to serve my needs. 90% of Catholics who go to church said the church exists to serve my needs. 90% of clergy picked A. The church exists to serve the mission of Jesus. That's a gap. 
Yeah, that's a big gap. 90% of priests say, well, the church exists to serve the mission of Jesus. 90% of folks who go to church say, it exists to serve me. Not me, you. And on one level, I get it. If I'm serving the mission of Jesus, I'm serving you. Yeah, I get that. And I pray to some extent, a lot of this was misunderstanding. But I do think at least some of it is that basic misunderstanding we all have because we're not selfless, me included. We're selfish. I need, I want. God is calling us to be aware of what others need and what others want. And it's hard to do. He gave us a couple ideas in this book, and I tried one of them, and I deeply hated it, so I'm going to try it a lot now. Uh, but he said, if you've had a particularly uh, outrageous day, be it good or bad, he says our natural inclination is when we see someone, you won't believe what happened today, which is fine. That's a normal human reaction. But he said, why not next time wait and say to the other person, how was your day? And then, and this is crazy, listen to the answer. Yeah? I was embarrassed at how hard that was. I've got this story bubbling up in there, and you must know it. Yeah? So that was one I took. And when you look at the book, you'll see he gave us a few. But he gave us a few exercises in there to help us focus on being other centered, right? Not self-centered, to be selfless. Again, let each of you look not to his own interests only, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is Christ Jesus. It can play out in different ways all through our day, that our natural inclination is to think of ourselves, but God is calling us to think of others. Jesus, change my mind. The best example I could find of this type of thinking in Scripture is the crucifixion. And I remember in seminary, we had a prof who said, no matter what you preach on, the incarnation, the Eucharist, and the crucifixion will always fit in it, yeah? But with the crucifixion, we could, if you saw the Passion of the Christ, right, the Mel Gibson film, you have some sense of the horror of crucifixion. But again, that was light compared to the experience of being crucified. Uh, this was a very long, painful process. Even the scourging itself would have taken 12 hours because you have to stop every once in a while and try to clot the person's blood, or they'll just bleed out. We could go into this, and I'm not going to. But there is no measure that I can share with us in our secular society or religious one where we can understand the kind of pain they were going after here. And of course, Jesus didn't have just physical pain. He had spiritual pain. He had never felt guilt before, and now he had all the guilt. He had never felt the effects of separation from God before. Now he had it. This was suffering on a level you and I can't fathom. Now let's look at what he said 
while he was on the cross? Well, he took care of his mom, didn't he? He, he? he wasn't thinking of him. He was thinking of his mom. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. That's selfless. When he had a guy being tortured to death on his right, who spoke the truth in the simplest way, what did Jesus do? Well, he comforted him. Today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Selfless. He said, oh, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He made excuses for us. He, he's asking God, don't punish them for this. Selfless. At one point, he expressed need. I thirst. Yeah? But you may remember they misunderstood. It says they, they dipped a sponge. They took a stick because he's way up in the air. And they dipped it in wine and held it to his lips. But I think it's John. One of them says, but he didn't take it. That's not what he was talking about. The word he used is, I, you and I would translate it, I crave. I crave. And what did he crave? Well, he was alone. For the first time in his eternal existence, there was a wall between him and the Father. He felt that pain and expressed it. But a vast majority of his words while he was dying showed his obsession with others' needs. So this is our challenge, and it's a tough one, right? The others, I think we can all see and look at and go, yeah, I got to get after this. Selflessness is tougher, I mean, in my mind at least, because it's not natural in any sense of the word. It's so natural to be selfish that we don't even think of it. So that's our challenge. Jesus changed my mind. Let me look, not after my own interests, but also after the interests of others. In doing this, guys, this is being a Christian. That's what all of these homilies and this uh, activated disciple journal have been about. It's not about doctrine and dogma. Those are super important. But this is important too. Because the devil's doctrine is perfect. And that's not working out good for anybody. God doesn't just want our mind. He wants our heart. He wants our actions. He wants the whole thing. So we've looked at different ways that Jesus is challenging us this Lent to really get after it. And selflessness is this week's. So I encourage us. Let's pray. All week, 38,000 times a day if we need. Jesus, change my mind. Change my mind. Open my eyes to the needs of others. Help me to sacrifice. Help me to put myself in other people's shoes so that I'm not so harsh in my judgments. This is how we become like Jesus and that's the core of the whole thing. Amen? Amen. Okay.